fun filming with Clint and Danny, Lily, and the Wizard. No Wizard. Because he looks like a lizard. Who? Steve, he's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> We're rolling. Yeah. Um, guys, what number are we up to? We got one minute. <laughs> one minute till what? Till Callum gets on. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. He can listen in on our lives. Steve, you're in New Zealand. You're a bit crook. Yeah, it's annoying. Uh, I, I I feel fine, but um, that virus that I thought I shook. Um. I just started coughing the other night. Thought it was the fan blasting in my face two nights in a row. Looked up blasting fans in your face all night, and you can get cough and dude. Dry it's up. not because of a blasting fan. <laughs> <laughs> you got a virus. You yeah. um, it sucks, it but days, so. yeah. So just lots of mucus that I'm coughing up, <laughs> and um, feel feel good training. So that's it's annoying. I don't know what to expect really. We'll just I've done it many many times before racing like if there's not a disaster on race week with um sickness, then something's wrong. <laughs> well you did win Ironman Australia with a sickness. Callum, welcome. We are live. Steve, do a really good intro for Callum. <laughs> Hello, son. How are you? <laughs> hey, hey guys. <laughs> no, hey, we mate. are really stoked to have you um come on, Callum. Um obviously you've been a fantastic athlete for a long time, but I think on the weekend you really showed um, what you're capable of. And, you know, I think a lot of us who've got to know you or meet you, we're really stoked to see you put out that performance and especially against, you know, the best the best in the world, really. So talk me through um, the race and, yeah, what's it all mean? And um, you, are you, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, Reedy. Um, yeah, it was a big breakthrough race for me, massive. Um, yeah, and it means a lot in terms of like setting up the season, um, open may open a, a lot of doors for me coming up. So, yeah, that's oh, it's obviously a, a great way to start the season. Um, but yeah, the race was just like a it's a sprint, sprint distance world cup. So, when we look in look at like short course racing that's the the second tier of racing so in above conti carp and below world series um yeah and it was a sprint distance race so beach start in in new zealand um yeah pretty it was pretty choppy on the water and the wind was up a little bit um but you know just your, your usual beach start um and i had a really good swim so i some of you might not know, some of your listeners that swim's probably my weakest leg. Steve knows that for sure. Doing a bit of training and racing with him. Um, but yeah. We were great. <laughs> no, we were awesome. Um, but yeah, the swim, that swim actually set me up really well. And I was in the in the front group coming out of the water on the bike. We uh we got a bit of a gap um from the second group. So we were there maybe had at the end of the bike we had about 30 seconds on on the second group and if you don't know anything about the race or weren't following the race you know you had Hayden Wild um who was who was probably the red hot favorite to win that race and he was didn't make the front group and he was actually in the second group 30 seconds behind 
Um, and then you had other guys. I'm not sure if you know, like a Hugo Milner, who's also a pretty, pretty rapid runner, and he was also in that second group. So you had probably the two other runners who could probably run faster than me in that second group. Um, yeah, and I had a good 30 second gap on them, and then going on to the run, I sort of went went to the front as soon as I could and I just sort of Hayden was coming pretty fast and he got to within about eight seconds I think so he caught up about 20 seconds on the run on me um but yeah I just held off and, and took the tape so that's pretty much how the race went Cow, it said 14 minutes for you is that right yeah I think it was 14 10 or something like that but yeah the course was a little bit short oh, that was- how short was it I'm not sure exactly. I haven't had official me- measurements, but I've run about 14.20 something before, 14.20 wow. off the bike. So let's just say, <clears throat> I don't know, let's say 100 metres or so. Wow, it, that's uh, I don't think it was my fastest run either. Like um, it definitely wasn't the best I felt off the bike um, and I was still able to get the job done. But yeah, let's yeah maybe add 15, 20 seconds onto that to get an accurate 5K time because I know that Hayden Wild. Ran thirteen fifty, and yeah, I don't think that's quite accurate. He's fast, but he's—I don't think he's that fast. Amazing. Um, and yeah, so you—you're not part of the um, classic TA high performance group. You've got your own. You work with a different coach. Um, I—I I, to be honest, I, I did some research afterwards, and I was yeah, I'm really curious how you end up working with your coach. Do you want to tell us about? that relationship and how it's gone for you? Because obviously it's working. Um, so, yeah, fill us in. Yeah, so I guess with the with the TA structure at the moment, um, you've, got, you've got groups that are, that are funded by Triathlon Australia and the coaches are employed by Triathlon Australia, so they're on a salary. Uh, and the athletes who are in those squads, you know, can train there for free if they're a part of the high-performance program. Um, and then there's also private coaches. So I train with a private coach down here in Melbourne. So we're not supported by Triathlon Australia in our in our training environment. So I train with the Lotic Triathlon here in Melbourne and the coach Danielle Stefano. And I guess how that started was um, well, originally I was I was training with with Steve um, in a Triathlon Australia high performance group, and that was the sort of um, I think it was called the International Performance Centre or something like that. People also know it as Wollongong Wizards, you know, call it whatever you want. <laughs> One thing led to another and that squad dissolved uh, in about 2019. 2019, start of 2019. And I was in Europe at the time and I didn't have a coach and was sort of struggling to find a coach. Um but yeah, I got in got in contact with with Danielle, who was training in Girona, um, and then did a trial with with her, and it worked out really well. And then um, was spent about a few months, two three months in Europe with her, um, and it all went really well. And then when we got back to Australia, you know, decided to move to her, so we moved moved down to Melbourne, um, and was just assimilated into the to the squad environment as per usual, really. Yeah. How do you believe yeah. that it hinders your chances of being selected, not being in the squads they want you to be in? Um, no, I don't think there's there's any of that. I think I think the the way that the selectors and the the triathlon Australia staff have been 
have been making their their selections recently. I don't. It's got nothing to do with with um, with where you're training. It's pretty much just purely up to performances, which is fantastic because it hasn't. I guess it hasn't always been like that in the past. At least from what I'm told, I'm not close in that circle. I think for me, I've always thought um, the high performance program. I'd love to see it a little bit more athlete-centred where athletes get – maybe you don't necessarily get lump cash, but it could be, hey, we're going to pay for whoever's ranked at a certain level gets rent paid, their coach paid, and then the athlete can gravitate to what works best for them. They're not getting money to go and spend at nightclubs, you know, but it's at least funding based on performance level because every coach and every athlete – the, the mix is different of what's going to work really well. And we've seen it in the past with Olympic medals that, um, you know, a lot of the Australian medalists in triathlon have come from external coaches to the high performance program and they've gone to what works for them. Um, thoughts on that <laughs> without, without, yeah. without losing an Olympic spot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's what we had before. So leading up until they've, they recently changed the structure in Triathlon Australia to have those hub centres um, so that, you know, they had those Triathlon Australia funded groups and then you have your external groups. Um, whereas before, you know, when when Steve was a part of, of short course, you know, it was it was a bit more based on the athlete, not where you train. The support was given to the athletes, not to based on where you train and if you're in a TA supported environment or an external environment. Um, and that, but that changed sort of over 2020, 2021 to those hubs. Um, but I think now they're sort of, um, you know, maybe they start, may, may start to gravitate out of those, out of those. I think it's, it's just a cycle, you know, you go, you, you change the strategy, the strategy changes again, you know, it's just a, a cycle of evolution. Yep. Um, but, you know, you see, um, you know, my performances on the weekend and then also my squad mate, Sophie, who also trains with uh, with Danielle, and we're both not in um, TA uh, supported training environments, getting those good performances in. So, you know, it doesn't. It's even though you're not in those environments, and it's and it's hard being in an external environment. You know, you can still you're still able to perform. Callum, um, Callum you were in um, obviously you were in Jamie Turner's squad with uh, with myself. Um, and a lot of the other people, I wasn't there for very long because I honestly just didn't enjoy myself in that kind of environment. And, um, um, but do you, so have you found you're enjoying, uh, the current environment because you've been there for a while. So I assume you are enjoying it, but have, have you been a lot more happy and does that breed more success for you? Because that's kind of what I felt was, I was being held back massively by the pressure was that was put on by the coach and the, Kind of the guilt trips or the or the um, ultimatums. You don't do this, then you're not going to get this. Like the power, sort of um, that he wanted to have over his athletes. Mm. Was yeah. Dangled. Uh, yeah, and I guess you know we were both in that environment, and it was sort of it was tough um, because that's where I thought I needed to be to be the best or the best athlete I was ever going to be. And you know Wait, I was, he was telling you that a lot though, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was a really interesting experience being in that environment, and um, the athletes that that we trained with at the time, maybe we didn't get along with each other as well. But you know, I, um, now that I'm not training with them, and you know, I get along with them really well now. Um, but you know, maybe that wasn't probably the best squad environment for me. And I know that 
um, you know, I was a younger athlete and maybe I was about 19, 20, so I sort of felt stuck in that environment. But for you, Steve, you know, you're you being uh, the old man that you are, you're a bit older <laughs> and you're able to make the, that decision and you're like, no, nah, this is not for me and you left straight, you know, you left pretty early on, whereas sort of I felt as though I was stuck there a little bit um, yeah. and was grinding it out. Uh, but, yeah, you, you know, you left straight away. You got out of there pretty quick. I think, I think when someone who's an adult gets told that they can't go away on a weekend with their girlfriend, it's a pretty big warning sign that it's not yeah. it's not compatible. Like, you know, I I feel like, uh, you know, the, the part of the problem is you, you're keeping adults to a, not being able to develop other areas of their life and then they burn out before they've even reached their potential. So it's so important to – and it seems to be changing, which is really good. Um, but definitely looking back, I, I remember – you know, I never knew whether I, I would ever have a chance in ITU, but I, I felt like in my 20s, the run could have been developed, the swim could have been developed. I would have loved to have tried, but I already had kids at like 26, 27. I was like, there is no possible way that I could fit into this program. Yeah, no, it's a, it was a really tough program. And well, and I guess to, to follow on from Steve's question now, the group that I'm in, you know, it's um, Danielle's, you know, a very different coach to, to JT, um, you know, uh, sort of not as as controlling of the environment you know it's not your way it's not his way or the highway um you know there's 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 room for there's room for you know amendments to the training you know um outside of training you know you can pretty much do whatever you want um but yeah so remember, that's the massive differences there and just a lot more a lot more enjoyment there i remember when steve called um when he was was were you in spain at one point yeah with Jay, with the jet yeah and he's yep. like, this guy won't let me eat pasta. I was like, oh, it's over. Steve's leaving. <laughs> Steve's getting the next flight out of there. But <laughs> um, I, 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 I felt like I had gone backwards in age as well. I'd, I'd become submissive to this guy like everyone in the squad had. And I actually think, um, and Callum, you'll agree with this because you you do get along with everyone in, um, in the squad um, these days. Um, so, so, and I, if I see them, I get along with them now as well. Not that I didn't get along with too many of them anyway. It's just, I feel like they are great people. Um, but that coach in particular, um, has these tactics with his threats and whatnot and puts you up against the other athletes and, and makes a kind of environment where, um, you all are kind of against each other. And it's weird. It's weird. I thought we were on a team, but then, you know, I might hand someone a drink during training or something during a run and Jamie will go off at me and say, why would you hand him something? That's your competition. I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh, I don't, <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't get it. He was putting constantly playing us against each other and everyone. Yeah. It was just a tense environment. And I feel like that was why there was like a lot of tension between a lot of people. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the environment. Um, in any way, shape, or form. So this is why it's called triathlon therapy, Callum. So Steve can come on, and we just we just work through work through all the problems of the past. But I know for a lot of people, it was uh, obviously an issue, and he's gone. He's gone now. So um, I guess um, what I wanted to ask about was whether what's different in your training to, compared to what you did in the past, and um, yeah, like is there is you know to get two wins over the weekend. Daniela or Danielle, is that, sorry, if I messed that yeah, up. Yeah, Danielle. Danielle um, Stefano, I'll give her a plug. Yeah, yeah. So um, what's, yeah, I mean, what what sort of training differences are you doing compared to in the past? Yeah, well, I was sort of, um, I was sort of thinking about that. And I guess, 
my basic training hasn't hasn't really changed. The the main thing that sort of changed this year is um, it, at the end of December last year, so December twenty twenty three, so about three months ago, I was I was allowed to sort of get access into the into VIS, the Victorian Institute of Sport, for the first time, um, and that sort of was um, that allows me to get S and C, so strength and conditioning coaching. I can go see the swimming biomechanist for underwater um, footage for my swimming, which is uh, the discipline, I guess, which I need to improve on the most. Uh, I can get physio, massage sort of whenever I want, and that's sort of a big thing that's, I guess, that um, that has helped me, I guess, take my, take my training to the next level. Um, but my base training in, in itself hasn't really changed. Uh, you know, but yeah, that's that's the one thing that's re- that's really changed. And I've, I guess, in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, you know, I had a had a private, I have a private physio which I see South Melbourne physio, and I do Pilates there. Um, and yeah, that 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 was that that was really good. Um, but and uh, now just like the team's gotten a little bit bigger sort of my support network's gotten a little bit bigger, and that sort of helped me, I guess, take my uh, take my performances to the next level. Callum, what about some of like the the training specifically? Like it's easy for someone like me who never does anything short course and Steve's never coached me in short course or anything like that to just think you just must be out there sending it every session and stuff like that. But how do you manage the, the VO2 stuff versus everything else being aerobic and whatnot? Yeah, well, I guess like, – um... I guess our, tra- our training is pretty. The schedule is pretty similar week in, week out. So you sort of get used to that to that schedule. A lot of my running is is aerobic. I would like ninety percent of my running each week is aerobic, and I would do one one or two sessions, one set, maybe one session, and then one you know tempo based uh, session. So in the run, I'm not dipping into VO two heaps uh, into that level. I guess being my- with my run, the sort of theory is just being able to keep the load consistent, the running load consistent, um, and I can sort of use my the running, which is my strength, uh, and just use the years and years that I've been running for um, in in those races. I sort of don't don't really do too much intensity with the run, um, but yeah, with and also I don't want to do too much running to take away from my swimming and my riding, which is sort of the the two disciplines which always need constant improving. Um, but yeah, like with, with the swimming, it does get hard, it does get hard sometimes. And you know, it's each day is really different in the pool for me. Like some days, some days I'll feel really good, uh, and the next day I'll try the exact same thing and I'll feel shit. Um, just not coming from a swim background, having real stiff shoulders, you know, stiff thoracic, you know, each, each day is different in the pool for me. <laughs> I feel like you've improved a lot though, Callum, in the recent yeah. years. Yeah, it, it's it's just a slow grind, I think, with, with that sort of stuff for me. You know, I've been working a lot on um, like range of motion in, in the water. Um, that's made a really big difference um, to me. Come out now um, in the water. What was that? Where do you come out if you do a WTS race? If you were to, um, well, the the World Series races that I've done more towards the back, um, still. So like, there's still a lot of work to be done. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, well, that's, the, that's the thing, right? I see like oh, some ITU athletes who aren't the best swimmers. They go to they go to long course and they're like they're right up the front. But no, nah, I'm, I'm not built for long course. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be able to TT for that long. <laughs> but we went on so, a three-hour ride once, and you hadn't eaten at all. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I do Thanks. remember you saying that. I do remember you saying you'd be good at long course because you don't eat much. You don't need to eat much while you're out riding. <laughs> Mate, I'm so, starving. How are you doing this? <laughs> so Steve um, mentioned, you know, how you were sort of played off against each other in training. On race day, Do is there much teamwork um, between, like, Australian guys, uh, maybe even between, you know, just friends? Or how does it, you know, giving it, given it's obviously draft legal, how much does that play into it? Uh, team tactics yeah well i reckon it's hard um for myself because sort of i'm not out at the front of the swim but i re- definitely swimmers will work with each other 100 percent. like they'll be on the start line this is how i imagine it i'm not a swimmer so i don't know but i reckon they look at each other just give each other a nod and then like let's go let's rip these guys <laughs> <laughs> and they just know that like, they don't even need to say anything because you know who the good swimmers are the good swimmers know who the other good swimmers are you just look. You just need to look at each other on the bike, and you know, just go. As soon as you get on that bike out of the water, you need to go, um, and to get away from the faster runners who are coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some days it works well for them, and they get away and they stay away, and they get a good gap. Other days they get they get caught. Um, you know, it might just be dependent on how they feel, but yeah, I think it's definitely with the swimmers, the good swimmers and the good bikers. They love to work with each other. And they just hate runners. They don't want to see a runner in a race. (laughs) I hate that we were hated for being runners. But but, um, does it make you nervous that, you know, 50% of your races, you probably could potentially be out of the race by um, 15 minutes into the race? You could know in your head, all right, that's done. Like, we're not going to catch them now. Yeah, for oh, sure. And I guess it's, it's, it's also dependent who you, who you come out of the water with. Like if you come out of the water with, with a nice little Norwegian next year, like that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> like I remember on the weekend and I came out of the water and I, Casper Storms was just in front of me and I was like, that's my ticket. Um, and he got me to the front pretty quick. So they're really strong. Um, but yeah, it just depends who you're out of the water with. Sometimes you get lucky. Um, it's got nothing to do, you know, with how you performed. You just got lucky with the people who are around you. But yeah, it is, you know, I every race I'm I'm thinking on the start line. I'm like, you know, I'm going through my processes that I need to that I need to focus on to swim the best that I can. But I'm also in the back of my mind, you know, like, you know, I hope this is a good day as well. So um, I think I think a lot of people who saw your win on the weekend. Um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, wow, he's just come from come from nowhere, you know, like, um, but obviously all of us in the game know what a long grind it is. Um, and it's like, it's tough financially. Like everyone goes through those years which are really tough. And I was thinking of about like, what's the most broke-ass professional triathlete moment you've had? And I'll give an example of what I remember early on, I had a race in Boise and I cracked my bike. <laughs> on the um on the flight over there and we had the race was so cold that they changed the race to a 20k tt down the hill from the lake to the bike transition and then it was just going to be a 21k run and i thought and i had this cracked bike and i was like look they've changed the 
bike. I can't afford a new bike. I didn't have a bike sponsor at the time. I remember just gaffer taping the bike together um, and rode down this hill at like 50k an hour to transition and it and made it. Um, and I was thinking, geez, that was that was a definite like a moment in my pro career where you know it could have gone either way. I could have died or um, I at least I think I got into the prize money and made it to another race. Uh, can you think of like just explain to listeners sort of what the what the struggle's like or have you had moments where you've been like, man, this isn't worth it or, yeah, fill everyone in on on just how hard it is to survive as a pro triathlete, um, particularly in ITU, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. ITU is really tough financially, um, especially if you're sort of not training in a, in a triathlon Australia-supported group and you're sort of paying all those extra Actually, you have all those extra costs, which which someone in a triathlon Australia group doesn't have. Um, but yeah, like ITU is really competitive, and the prize money is not as good as long course, and long course is heaps less competitive. Not as good <laughs> athletes there for sure. <laughs> uh, Steve, no, you got it's, a, Steve, you got a moment where you're like, uh, can you look back on and go, "Wow, that was." I was doing it real skills. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, he's right. All those points are relevant. I think not everyone could do what some long course athletes do. They're very strong on the bike and all that stuff. Like um, some, yeah, lots of long course guys would, but it does, it does drop off quickly. And uh, I'm very, very, very happy I made the move because I only did ITU for eight months and I, I, I couldn't stand paying all that money to get to a location and you had a 50% chance of, of it being a waste of time um, and racing, you know, because I, I wasn't like a swimmer at that point at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, ITU is very tough. And I, I did one French Grand Prix, Grand Prix, sorry. And I think I was 31st and top 30 get paid. And I was desperate for that money, like real desperate. <laughs> and like it was like, like four hundred euro probably for thirtieth, but I really needed that. Um, and I ran, I think fifteen, probably like fifteen ten or maybe fifteen flat or something. But the whole group of twenty in front of me that I took too long getting my shoes on. Group of twenty were right in front of me. They all ran the same pace as me or quicker. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that many people. In a friend, like we can all run fifteen or just under fifteen off the bike. Like, there's yeah, there it's all those little things that make the race, make or break the race. You know, if you're too slow in transition, or like you're too slow to get your shoes in, you miss the group, you're done. Like, and there goes your paycheck, mm. or there goes your world ranking points that you need to get into the next race, etc. And even in you- even in non drafting, sorry, Danny. The um, I remember High V had a million dollar prize purse at one point, and if you finished top 30 i think 30th was four grand and i was in my hotel with influenza shaking like with a fever but i was so broke that i'm like i gotta just finish this race and i I got around in like 29th or 30th position and then was like sick for another week afterwards but like every when there's prize money on the line all you had to do is finish it's it's like i'm I'm doing it (laughs) but i mean that doesn't sound that like that hard going but there weren't many races like that back then so um so what did you win um on the weekend can we ask that yeah no it's all it's all public knowledge you can go on the world triathlon page and look but yeah it's seven and a half thousand us for the win in a world cup 
And then for the relay, which Team Australia won the next day, I'm unsure. For a World Series relay, I think that the whole team can get about 20,000 US and you divide it into the group of four. But I'm not, I'm not sure how that all works. It's not really that, that race, the relay, the prize money is not really transparent for what the athletes get. But for the individual, yeah, 7,500 US, which is by far the biggest payday, payday I've ever gotten in nice. my life. <laughs> yeah, by far. I think the most I've ever been, most I've ever gotten is probably like 1,500 US in, in one race, which, which, you know, what, what quickly that's five times. Five times greater than the largest payday I've ever gotten before. So yeah, it's massive. Has that gone down? The World Cup wins that amount, or does that stay the same? No, no. I think seven and a half thousand has been pretty consistent for the last few years. But as you know, inflation. What does that sit at? Like four or five percent, and the prize money is still the same uh-huh. for the last how many years? So, Declan, and, and same with WTS. I think WTS. The win for WTS has gone down to nineteen thousand US, and that that hasn't changed in ages as well. So it's it's not keeping in line with inflation. Okay, because Declan won that one in New- Declan in our squad. Declan, um, he won. Uh, I forgot where. It yeah, was. he won the Plymouth World Cup in twenty seventeen, yeah. and that was seven and a half thousand oh. US. Okay, so this is my perspective changing. I thought he won so much money. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember thinking, oh, he's just set. Set for life. (laughs) (laughs) And now Um, I'm like, that's really bad. (laughs) So, uh, Callum. I thought that was pretty good. So, I guess you just put into perspective how much better off you are than me. (laughs) (laughs) So, Callum, um, we're getting rumors that you absolutely hate Hayden Wild, which is why you did the Eagle (laughs) celebration at the finish. (laughs) Um, What's going on there? I don't like any triath. I don't like any other short course triathletes, bar a few. <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't, I don't hate him. Um, it was just a bit of fun for the cameras, and I was saying to a few of the other Aussie boys before the race, um, you know, how good would it be to beat Hayden Wild in his home World Cup? Um, and like I was saying, oh, you know, if if I do beat him, like I'll do the the Falcon and the Shush. <laughs> um, so you know, it was just a little bit of a joke, and I. You know, he came up to, he said to me after the race, um, you know, that was not cool, bro. Um, but, you know, I had a little talk, oh, really? I had a little talk to him. Yeah, I had a little talk to him and I <laughs> just, just made sure he was I think right. I think it's funny. So. Oh, it's but, yeah, I think, I think from my I hate I hate that Red Bull thing, man. Like, it is, <laughs> it is so, like, everyone knows you're doing it because you're getting a bonus to do the, the wings down the finish line. Like it's yeah, not, well, from my you know, and it, I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it if I was sponsored by Red Bull. I'd take yeah. that as well, but everyone knows why you're doing it. So yeah. wait, yeah. wait, no. wait, I could get paid to do the robot. <laughs> no, no, no one's going doesn't... to pay you to do that, mate. That sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, from my perspective, you know, you know, it's almost like a sign of respect to him that I really wanted to beat him. And yeah. that just shows how how good of an athlete that he is. That you and, know you want to beat him. And I, I, I was looking through um, some articles from the race on the weekend. You know, some of the titles were like McCluskey, like um, scores the underdog win over Wild in his home World Cup, and that just that just gives me goosebumps, man. That's why I do triathlon. Those t- <laughs> titles like that, like big underdog wins, they're just stuck you know, up on the that's wall. That's why next everyone to your bed races. Now. Yeah, exactly. 
I think it's great. There needs to be more of that stuff in this sport. Um, like, you know, Daniel Backergaard before Busso was calling out Steve a bit. I think he said he was going to fist him or something like that. So it was uh, it was good banter. I thought it was good too. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I like it. Some athletes don't, um, just depending on the personalities of the athletes. But but from my, my perspective, I like it. And there was, you know, by the end, no hard feelings. And I don't hate Hayden Wild. <laughs> All right, Callum, um, we're going to do some would you rathers. Would you rather win an Olympic gold medal or you – but you have to abstain from all sexual activity for 12, oh, sorry, for 10 years, but you are guaranteed a gold medal. Definitely a gold medal. And I'm going to give a shot to my girlfriend tonight. I got one. I got one. If someone could guarantee that you'd win an individual Olympic medal, but for the rest of your life you had to talk like Marge Simpson, what would you take? Uh, I don't know. I can't even remember how Marge Simpson talks. I'm not really a Simpsons oh, no, fan. Me. So give it that. Oh, yeah. All right. Give us the best Marge impression. Person. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably take the. I'd probably take the gold medal. Oh, I love that. I'd have to. You'd have to. That voice yeah, isn't that bad. Whatever. Just don't talk. <laughs> I guess it just shows how much I'd really love a gold medal. Steve, you yeah. got one. So, um, were we supposed to prepare these? Because I didn't. No, nah, just think of one now. I don't okay, expect I, you to nah. do any preparation. I gave up on that <laughs> after the first episode. Oh, it's so good though. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do one. This is gonna be horrible. Um, all right, just to be selected, Callum, would you would you lose all of your fingers? You keep the thumbs just to be selected for the Olympics. You get to go, but once the Olympics is done, you're gonna lose all your fingers. Besides, you get you get to keep the thumb. <laughs> no, nah, you can't lose your fingers. That's just uh, you're gonna have a pretty shit right, life right. after that. You get a you get a gold medal. <laughs> <losing> no, <fingers. laughs> nah, I'm not losing my fingers. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather I'd rather lose my fingers than lose sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you're horny as. <laughs> pretty sure you've lost it already, mate. But <laughs> haven't you got a second baby on the way? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> Callum, we didn't ask um about the Olympics in terms of like qualification and whether this race changes that and like try for someone like me trying to work out how someone qualifies for the Olympics is like trying to break the Da Vinci code. It's super confusing from country to country. So yeah. Yeah, how how's that looking? Yeah, I guess each country has their own different criteria for the Olympics. And I guess for Australia, they have some automatic qualification criteria. So the Paris Test Event and Ponte Vedra World Champs last year were automatic qualification races. So if you got in the top, first Aussie in the top eight, automatically qualified for the Olympics. So Maddie Hauser got a top eight in Ponte Vedra. So that's one of the spots taken. And then the next automatic qualification race is in Yokohama World Series race in May. So first Aussie in the top eight automatically gets nominated to the Australian Olympic Committee to go to the Olympics. So they're the automatic qualification races. And for Australian men and women, it's likely we're only going to get two quota spots. Mm. So for the men, there's only one spot left. And for the women, the two quota spots are still available um, and then it goes down to discretionary if no one else gets those automatic spots then it's just a discretionary decision by the selectors and they can do 
uh, whatever they want, pretty much. I guess. I guess you'll yeah. you'll see somewhere in the in the selection criteria that they can, you know, they can do do whatever they want really with their mm. selections. Mm. We interrupt this invigorating episode of Triathlon Therapy to tell you that the show is brought to you by RPG Coaching. There is a whole new website up for people to check out, different coaching options. We've got such a great group of coaches at the moment. I'm stoked that they're all part of the team and the athletes are just as happy. So check it out. And of course, also brought to you by Nerd Belt. If you're a nerd and you love running and you need to stay hydrated, Nerd Belt is easily the most comfortable hydration belt you could ever wear. Get it around your waist. Back to the show. Um, let's roll into, we'll keep this one relatively quick, but let's roll into, um, fan questions and Callum, if you don't, if you got time, be cool if you could hang around and offer your two cents as well. Um, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to apologize in advance for any background noise. My kids just got home, so I no longer can control what happens. (laughs) Yeah, all good. We've, we've got a couple of questions. Um, first question was what's our opinion on Cairns and Busso being selected as part of the Ironman series races? Um, and could there have been some of the other Aussie courses selected over those two locations? What do you think, Reedy? Uh, to be honest, mate, I don't have a super strong opinion. Um, I feel like Cairns always gets a pretty high priority in terms of points, prize money, championship titles, things like that. And I feel like it's, you know, it's definitely suits a certain type of athlete. So I think it's in some ways I wish they would roll that to some of the other events. I love that Busso's got those points. I think Busso's a fantastic race. I think Cairns is a fantastic race too. I just like to roll around the uh, the rewards a bit more. Um, yeah, not a strong opinion. Just, just glad they got chosen. I think Kansas is a tough course. It's a fair course. Bus is fast. So it's a nice mix, really. Steve, any thoughts on that? No, I hadn't thought too deep into it. I do, um, it makes sense they choose Kansas because that's the big one. Um, so I wasn't going to, I hadn't really thought there was any negatives really and then busso makes sense because it's the the two weeks or maybe one week or two before the uh world champs uh it's probably a few weeks so yeah it makes sense that they chose that one and they changed it to a half i don't really have an issue because it makes uh makes that field more competitive mm. um and then you can try a hardest to prove that it is hard to make money in long course too and it's <laughs> kind of got some depth <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a lot of people are complaining about the need to do three Ironmans and never a lot of people are saying it should have just been two. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think um, from a health perspective, I've always said two is probably a good balance. I mean, when balance is a real, is a, is a funny word in Ironman or even in ITU really. But um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have a super strong opinion on it. So Danny, what are your thoughts? You might be following it a bit more closely than me. No, not not oh, sort of. I'm just interested in the two or three athletes. I think it's a couple of female athletes that are going to have a crack at trying to win the Ironman series and the PTO hundred mm-hmm. series. And obviously, you don't have to do every single race, so they're going to handpick. But that that sounds 
I mean, that sounds like hell, to be honest. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Callum, we're not even going to ask you. You wouldn't have any clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scratch it all and give all the money to ITU. They deserve it. <laughs> That's my two cents. <laughs> all right, next question. Uh, Callum can definitely talk to this one. Um, or maybe not if you're never on a TT bike, but how big a difference does an aero TT helmet make to an aero-designed road helmet? Reedy, I know you've definitely probably got a lot of thoughts on that one. Yeah, I mean, some of the um, – it's interesting because, you know, people love to get into a wind tunnel and have their head in a perfect position. And when you look at the aerodynamic advantage of a TT helmet, um, connecting the, the back of the head, you know, over the back – um, smoothing out the airflow, it is really significant over even an aero road helmet. Um, but what's interesting is when you watch anyone time trialing in a race on the live coverage, their head is going all over the place typically. And except for there are a few, like Jan was superb at keeping his head still and guys that really know what they're doing and have trained it. Um, so for especially for age group athletes, um, an aero road helmet, when, when they're moving their head around a lot, um, could still potentially be quite fast. Um, compared to throwing a tail up in the air every time you drop your head or move it around. So it really depends on how much head movement you've got. I think there was, you know, I, I know for myself, I, I'd had some good races in aero road helmet, but that was, you know, a long time ago before the TT helmets got even better. Um, I think if I had my time again, I would have used a TT helmet and just learned to keep my head still because the advantage is significant. Hmm. Hmm. That, that, that <laughs> Thanks is, for that, Steve. That it? Just mm. <laughs> <laughs> even the head still triggers me because I'm like, I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, a question for Callum: um, Do short course ath- athletes take on any nutrition during the race, e.g., during a super try or a sprint? Yeah, yeah, they do. I, like depending on the athlete, but for me, for example, in a sprint race, I'll have a gel, a caffeine gel before the race, um, and then I'll have a gel on the bike, and then I'll have like a small bit of carbs, carb drink on the bike. So that's for a sprint distance. For a, for a super sprint, I would wouldn't have anything during the race. It's too short. It's only like fifteen minutes of racing, mm. um, and then for like an Olympic distance. I would have, you know, your carb drink on the bike and then two gels on the bike as well. Is that sort of yeah, reflective of your, your athletes ready that are short course? In yeah, terms of sure. when you're helping them guide, guide them with I that? think it's quite individual, but um, a big guy like Callum would normally take on a fair amount. I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. Like they've, um, yeah, like I said, it is quite individual, but the amount, um, it's really important to even, even to have, uh, sugars going into your mouth and not even in being digested seems to boost performance. Uh, I think we might have talked about that before, but it's important. Yeah, to swishing the carb up. drink around in your mouth. Yep. gives you a um, gives you a bit of a boost. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting, even anti cramp formulas. You know that sometimes hand them out on Ironman courses, uh, Hot Shot or Crampies or what's the other one that tastes like um, vinegar. Everyone thought they had to swallow them, and it used to make them quite sick. But a lot of the um, a lot of the effect could be done by just by swishing it in your mouth and distracting the um, cramping nerves. So there's, it's pretty crazy what things in your mouth can do to tricking the brain. So um, 
You don't always have to swallow. So, um, is this, this is completely random, but I had a mate at school who said he used to trick his stomach by chewing on paper in class. He was trying to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered. We should do a study on that, Steve. <laughs> Just, <laughs> we need to get new mates. <laughs> I thought you guys were mates. <laughs> Other than me. Other than get rid of everyone else. <laughs> that's it. Oh, that's it. Yep. Um, Should I do a proper intro for Callum? Because I didn't do one at the start there. <laughs> yeah. it's a bit late. <laughs> do it do it now so that if anyone listening is going who is this callum guy <laughs> you can go <laughs> yeah. so probably a lot of i think i think i think i thought i was a bit worried about it and we're going to include all this callum don't worry we don't edit anymore um <laughs> but as soon as you said you beat hayden wild i reckon that's enough of an introduction so um yeah. people know you're legit <laughs> That's what I'll be known for now. <laughs> yeah. The one guy who one time beat Hayden Wild. <laughs> and Steve, um, I hope you get better before the race this weekend. It's a bit nerve-wracking getting sick and you are the king of racing sick. I'm more worried about your bottom lip. You've got to stop <laughs> chewing that thing. It looks like it's about to fall off. <laughs> I've, been chewing, I've been chewing it this whole conversation, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> Big chompers and a small <laughs> Um No, but thanks for coming on, Callum. It's really cool to hear about the other world that is ITU. And I think we'll all be in your corner um, cheering you on if you can get to the Olympics or even just keep racing how you're racing and, and uh, really representing um, normal people well. Yeah. No, thanks, yeah. guys. Now, also, take some confidence in your swim. I, I reckon you're swimming really well. I don't think you should think it's a weakness anymore. I think you should think um, other things are your weakness, like your lankiness or pale skin <laughs> like me. <laughs> yes, I think you're swimming fine, so I want you to be confident and we want to see you go to the Olympics. So that would be cool if you could um, just, yeah, think you're a swimmer, become a swimmer. Got to believe it, Callum. All right. Well, that wraps it up. Thanks, boys. Cheers, Thanks, guys. guys. Cheers. Catch you later.